0: And sometimes it sometimes it rubs people the wrong way, you know what I'm saying? Because I tell people sometimes your progression reminds people of their stagnation. Mm. So it's like, man, I see you running and I've been in this spot, you know, lap me twice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But people that are, I got a a, a model that I tell young people is if you keep working and I keep working, we'll run into each other. That's good. You know what I'm saying? That's good. Um, but either one of us stop, somebody's going to do this, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that's kind of been the, the biggest thing is like, man, he,
1: He kept going. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's been it. Many people are stuck in the place that they're in largely because of the fact that they're not around people that challenge them. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not that they don't know those people don't challenge them, it's that they're scared to be alone. I am going to make a personal commitment to execution over perfection. Right now, you know, my company is making, you know, over 200000 a month. If you give me a piece of music, what am I going to play? And you
0: put that same, you know, piece of music or elements of music in the hands of Michael Jackson,
1: what is that going to create? Little becomes much when you place it in the hands of the master. Well, welcome to another edition of Believers Breathe, the podcast where the aim is to help people embrace self-awareness, self-confidence, and self-worth. Of course, I'm sitting down with entrepreneurs, business leaders, folks who've done a lot of good stuff, not just because of their skill set, but more so because of their mindset. Um, I got a mover and a shaker with me today. Um, What's up, man? Really happy to have this guy. Um, I feel like it's a sort of a black renaissance going on in Nashville. Um, and man, you seem to always be in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm glad that's what it looked like.
1: I'm glad that's what it looked like. Um, but I got like. Patrick Walker Reese with me today, and um, if you don't know who he is, we're gonna dive into what his story looks like, and then uh, more importantly, I want to give people very pragmatic tips to how you're going out to get this education bag For sure. <laughs> for sure. So um, for, sure. for those that don't know you, man, and even those that do, tell us who you are.
0: Man, Patrick Walker-Reese, educator, author, speaker, poet. Um, I always say educator first. Um, I run a company called Live to Aspire. Actually, the company's called Aspire, um, but our merch brand is Live to Aspire. Um, And we repurpose sports and entertainment for the purpose of educational advancement. Uh, That's the long and the short of it, but we'll dive in a little more.
1: Okay, cool. Grew grew
0: up on the south side of Chicago and the east side of Nashville. I always think where you're from is important. When did you come here? To the city. I've been here since fifth grade.
1: Fifth yeah, February. I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. got that real steering here in Nashville. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So I always tell people I grew up in Chicago, um, but I'm from Nashville. Okay. Yeah, I'm from Nashville.
1: So you've seen things change a lot. I'm assuming over the last 10, 15 years or so. For
0: sure. Some yeah. for the good. Some for the. Some for the. I won't say for the worst, but everything hasn't always been for the betterment of our people. But it's mm-hmm. been. A, it's been a change for sure.
1: So I went to, I'm from Memphis, okay. and so I am a product of the public school system. Mm-hmm. And every conversation that me and friends and anybody had about school was trying to get out. Yeah. <laughs> and so I am really interested to know why you're going back in. What, what is the, the purpose of you wanting to be involved in education?
0: I mean, people spend more time at school than they spend anywhere else in our life. Um, if we look at our life now, if you in your 20s or in your 30s, mathematically you've probably spent more time in the educational environment than you spent anywhere else in your life. Mm. You spend more time with your teachers than you do with your parents from the ages of 8 to 18. Factually, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we send you off to college, where you're spending more time in the educational environment than you are physically under the roof of your parents' home, right? And so. The reason that, that I always, that I, one, I was in education, I always wanted to be an educator. I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. But once I got out of school, I realized that the life I wanted, I couldn't do it on thirty seven forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year, right? And so um, I had some friends that were heavy in the entrepreneurial space. Um, and so I was like, man, I got to give it a shot. And so for me, when my mind switched to entrepreneurialism, it was about what do I do and what have I done? And so I was trying to not not reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. and so. Um, luckily, I found out about some people that were doing like $10,000 contracts in education. I heard Eric Thomas say he, Nike gave him $10,000 for a speech, and I was like, oh, word. Because I had already been giving like speeches 4 H when I was in school, you know what I mean? I was SJ president at Tennessee State University, so the speech lane was always there, mm-hmm. but I didn't know people were making $10,000, $7,500, $4,500 for hour for engagements, right? Mm-hmm. So once I found that out, it was like, okay let's try this
1: this is possible yeah but
0: to answer your question it was just I felt like the development that I wanted to have in young people and adults alike had to start in, in the education mm-hmm. space like I said because we just spend so much time there and it's subconscious like when you tell a parent that you know your child spend more time with me than he does with you mm-hmm. they look at you like and then they oh, start thinking about right. it like yeah you're uh-huh. spending 40 hours a week with me and mm-hmm. maybe 20 30 at home and then on the weekends you know your friends and all those other influences right and so school Research says that school is more influential on a young person's life than any other factor. Mm. But you only actually are getting education about two hours a day. Mm. So when you think about your high school experience or your middle school experience, you're only learning something maybe one to two periods a day. The other six hours is all social development.
1: And that's crazy that you say that because when I think back to high school, um, the most impactful educators that I had were... Miss Alejo, okay. who taught me AP English. Shouts out to Miss Alejo. <laughs> <laughs> but it had nothing to do with English. Yeah. It was the fact that she taught us about the differences in perspectives between men and women. She taught you how to think. Yes. Yeah, independently. Yes. I had another teacher by the name of Dan Jones who taught physics, who crushed us Monday through Thursday. Like, uh-huh. physics was extremely challenging. But on Fridays, he had something called Freestyle Friday. That's and cool. like I said, I'm from Memphis. And this is early 2000s to so, where.
0: So, y'all was actually
1: rapping. Rapping. Like, cool. Yo Gotti, Player Fly, yeah. Project, pa- that era. Before Memphis got flashy, like, with the money bag, yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this was, like, the most, the biggest thing we looked forward to throughout the week was Friday. <laughs> Friday. Yeah. And, like, just thinking about what he did for our social development that you just spoke about. Like, I didn't know that until moments like now mm-hmm. to where I go back and I'm in a high school and I realize these kids need a lot more than A's and B's. Yeah. And so, sure. like, I'm eager to know what is your perspective and philosophy on when you walk into a school um, and being the guy that comes in with a fitted hat on and a hoodie and, you know, some Stan Smith.
0: Man, it's, it's powerful, right? I always, anytime I speak, I always put myself in the shoes of the young person. So Thursday I'll do a keynote for Purpose Prep fourth graders. And shout out to Legra
1: Newman. Shout out to Legra, <laughs> shout out to
0: Purpose Prep. Um, we, we finished up a four part series. Um, they were reading Pat Facts, my second book And then they asked me to to keynote their graduation and so i always try to go back to man what was i thinking about in fourth grade and take that back earlier you asked me about when did i get here i've been Mm -hmm. here since fourth grade because i went to Alice green for a second gotcha um so i don't want anybody to see this and be like i went to fourth grade (laughs) with bro he lying right (laughs) so let's go back but um um so just thinking about like what was important to me in fourth grade so i remember being in fourth grade like drawing shoes and Mm -hmm. thinking about Orlando magics versus the bulls Mm -hmm. and jordan and penny hardaway and learning how to read and still wanting to be on the principals list. But I also remember that I don't remember much of anything else. And so anytime mm-hmm. I walk into a school, my first my first thing is to be memorable. To say something or do something, to wear something that will make these young people remember me. Right? So how can I be somebody's Miss Alejo? How can mm-hmm. I be somebody's Mr Jones? Jones yeah. Right? Um and just me hearing those two names, I remember those two names, yeah. right? And so um, the other thing is I tell people, most people never remember who spoke at any of their graduations. True. High, I've had several, Mm-mm. high school, eighth grade, two in college, and I couldn't tell you who spoke at, mm. at any of them. Mm. Um, and so I think that is the, that's the energy that I take in. I rarely ever wear dress shoes. I did a speech at Pearl Cone once early, and I had on some Concord 11s. And I remember when they announced me, I was sitting in the back, because a lot of times I like to sit in the back and just kind of watch the perspectives and what People the children always. are doing before mm-hmm. I go speak so I can so I can bring that to it. And as I was walking down, mm-hmm. I could hear the boys like, hey bro, he got some jazz. He on the 11th Like as I'm walking, it's like whispers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, now I remember being like, man, if I was in school and somebody came in and some Jordans and a hat, just from my school letting him come in like this, I'ma already be thinking like, man, he on something. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? And I'm going to listen to him for at least that first five. Now, if he's terrible after that, then I'm Mm -hmm. probably going to go. And so that was kind of my mindset, man, is to be relatable and and be memorable. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And then after that, just be honest. Mm -hmm. Those are really the three things I try to take into every situation.
1: And so when you go into a school like Purpose Prep or a Pearl Cone and you create those relationships with students and you create that relatability factor, do you have those people in your life that you are able to connect with now that you can say that was my Miss Alejo, That sure. was my Mr. Jones for sure. that was my Patrick Walker Reese. for sure. What do those conversations look like now?
0: They're beautiful, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so uh, Tom Ward was my principal at, at, at Hume Fogg. Uh, he's over the Oasis Center here. Um, Cheryl Clayton was my geometry teacher um, math all through time at Hume Fogg and, and I just remember, being being able to be honest with her about the fact that I'm not gonna use any of this shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And then her explaining to me why I needed it outside of the, the nuts and bolts of it, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I ran into Angela Hubbard, Shouts out to Angela Hubbard, basketball coach at Hume Falls. She's graduating after like 50 years of teaching. Mm. I mean, retiring after 50 years of teaching. Um, so when I see most of those people, they're excited to see that I'm pouring back into the young people. Mm. Um, they're excited to see that I made a business out of it. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're in education, man, you've seen so many kids go left. You've seen so many kids die. Mm-hmm. You've seen so many kids get become victim to the system. That anytime you see somebody figure it out, it's just kind of a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. And I think you know when we have children and when we work with children, we realize. And when we're young, I tell young people all the time: when you're young. You don't know that you got to be a quarter million to buy the house that you grew up in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like most people can't afford to buy the house they grew up in. Mm-hmm. But when you're young, you're dreaming about doing something totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, like literally the house I grew up in in East Nashville right now might be a four or five hundred thousand dollar house. Mm-hmm. But when I was sleeping it in 2001 and 2002, I'm dreaming about going out, mm-hmm. getting something crazy. But you're not understanding, like man, the million dollars that you're talking about. That NBA that, that dream, that being that lawyer, being that doctor, you don't really understand the work that it takes. Mm-hmm. But when you're an adult and you're looking back, so like when my, um, my, my mentor William Latham, he's out in D.C., or Joseph Robinson, when they look back and you see a young man like paying his bills, starting a company, you kind of find solace and happiness mm-hmm. right in there because you realize how hard it is just to be regular.
1: Yeah, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yep.
0: Especially, especially for African-American people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been one of the most rewarding parts of the journey um, is when i go do like I did Antioch High School's commencement. Mm-hmm. And you start to see people that were like educators when you were young or you do work at Tennessee State University and there's people there when you moved into Watson. And sometimes it, sometimes it rubs people the wrong way. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Because I tell people sometimes your progression reminds people of their stagnation. Mm -hmm. So it's like, man, I see you running, and I've been in this spot, you know, lap me twice. (laughs) You know what I mean? But people that are, I got a a, a model that I tell young people is, if you keep working and I keep working, we'll run into each other. That's good. You know what I'm saying? That's good. Um, But either one of us stop, somebody's going to do this. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So that's kind of been the the biggest thing is like, man, he he kept going. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm
1: saying? So, yeah, that's been it. So at what point did you say – all right, I'm going to try this education thing and I'm going to make a business out of it because it's very philanthropic. A lot of the times we go into these places and Great we question. give, 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 and then the expectation becomes give, 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 give. Great question. Um, so how did you say, man, I'm going a, I'm to a monetize this gift that I have and I'm not going to worry about people frowning upon me making money from For this sure.
0: gift? For um, sure. So when I came out of school, so before when I was in school, uh, I had a work study and then I got off-campus work study at Martha O'Brien Center in East Nashville. Okay. So halfway through my work study, so I was getting paid from the, from the university just to go to their work study, so the organization wasn't paying me. Mm. But they just, they just had me on their books as a volunteer, right? Mm. So they have no idea about work study papers mm-hmm. and all of that, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So I think I was signing, I had the secretary, she would sign off on my form, I would take it back to the university. Mm-hmm. About a year into that work study, they their their gym person quit. And mm-hmm. so they asked me, would I be the interim like, recreation coordinator? And I was like, yeah, well, what do I need to do? They're like, pretty much the same thing you're doing. We're just going to ask you to make sure you're here four days a week, mm-hmm. and we're going to pay like 11 bucks an hour. So in my head, I'm like, word. So I'm going <laughs> to get my work study. So now I'm getting like 30-something dollars an hour uh-huh. for the same hours that I was already, already there working. volunteering, uh-huh. right? But as I was doing that, I started to see like the budget of education from the nonprofit standpoint. Mm-hmm. So I started to see like the science guy that we were bringing in and paying 150 an hour. I started to see like. Um the 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 kickball guy or the bike coordinator, just people that had their own, you know what I'm saying, little programs, mm-hmm. but they would contract out. Mm-hmm. So when I graduated, I became the middle school transition coach at Martha O'Brien. So my job was to take middle schoolers and get them ready for high school.
1: Mm.
0: And so I was there. I spent about 10 years at Martha O'Brien between interning and actually working. And so in that, in 2012, and, again, so that was what I was doing every day in education. But on this end, I had friends that were throwing parties and owning businesses, and they were making upwards of 100000 ever since we were in school. Hmm. And so after a couple of Miami trips and different things like that, it was just like, man, I got to figure out how to make Stretch more money. your head a little bit. Yeah, it was like, yeah. I just got to figure out how to make more money. You know what I mean? These guys had time, they had money, they were having fun. And I loved what I was doing, but I was just like, man, I can't sit with the fact that. You, you have to be poor or broke because you're passionate about it or because you're in education. And um, I remember, man, I got a whole, Eric Thomas did a mixtape. Mm-hmm. And I remember just sitting in my garage and I heard him, I was sitting in my brother, Chef Betts, um, and I heard him say, Nike gave him 10000 for a speech. And I said, man, rewind that. <laughs> and he said it again. And I was like, boom. And I went to my director, um, actually Don Reese, her husband used to coach at TSU, Coach Reese. Mm-hmm. And I told her like, man, I'm, I'm thinking about quitting. Um, and she was like, "Man, are you sure? Because I had a great job. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. to be to be as young as I was, mm-hmm. didn't work on Fridays, and that's why I didn't go into teaching. So a lot of people actually, I've never been a certified teacher
1: mm-hmm.
0: because I came out of school making maybe forty, forty-two thousand, only working Monday through Thursday as a nonprofit coordinator. Mm-hmm. And when I started talking to my friends that was teachers, they was doing maybe thirty-five, thirty-seven, thirty-nine.
1: Didn't make sense. And they was doing five <laughs> days a
0: week, way more work. And so when I told her, she was like, I like it, but don't quit till you have a plan. And so she helped me go back to school. I got my master's. Um, she helped me get a graduate assistantship so that I wouldn't have to pay for it. And then when I went to get my master's, I told them, I want to build a company that I can travel and speak and teach people how to dream. But I had been bouncing it off of people, and I didn't know. I ended up going to a meeting with, the Metro, with Metro Schools, and I took them this presentation I had, and they were like, I like it. She was like, do you have a curriculum? I'm like. She's like, yeah, if you have a curriculum, we can put you in the budget for $10,000 contracts. And I thought that was God speaking to me mm-hmm. because the 10,000 was the number that I heard from
1: Eric Thomas. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? Now he
0: was getting it in one time speeches. Mm-hmm. The contract game was like, oh man, you might come out four times or you might come mm-hmm. out for a semester. But for me at this point, I'm like 10000 I you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that was when I really started to see like, oh, no, nah, And then I was at East Nashville at the height of the charter school movement. So we talked a little bit about the change. And so because I was working in the projects, I was in James Casey, we were the hotbed for charter schools. Mm. So people were coming pretty much like recruiting our young people. And I was watching these directors run up. You know what I mean? I think the city at the time, even today, I think you you get about 12 to $1,400 per kid. kid. You know what I'm saying? and this might be like quarterly or semesterly. Mm-hmm. So these people were coming, getting the kids, and then test time, sending them back. Mm-hmm. And then every two years the director would leave and go back to New York or go back to Texas and mm-hmm. our kids are just being in limbo. Yeah. And so I'm like, man, hold on. These people getting rich, they don't care for real, and they don't look like us, I'm hopping in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was really how I got into the education game and I saw caring, looking like the students, and then having the knowledge. That's the thing I told my students, like the masters really helped me. Mm -hmm. So I got my masters in public administration with a certificate in nonprofit management. Cause I thought I was going to like run a Martha O'Brien or run a boys and girls club. But to answer your question, when I started the company, because I had went to the contract meeting, I could only get the contracts if I had an LLC. So I even tell people today, don't. A lot of people come in like, can you help me start a nonprofit? Yes, we do have a nonprofit wing to be the Dream Foundation. But when you see me out, it's an LLC. Yeah, yeah. And people paying me to come. You know what I mean? Because they have it in their budgets. But so many of us think that the only way to help our people is through the Mm nonprofit wing. What I tell people, nonprofits is for people that have money. Mm -hmm. Where you sitting around with friends that like, if I was sitting talking to you, you like, bro, I got 30 million. I'm trying to get rid of. Mm -hmm. I got you. Yeah, I got a place to go. But when you're trying to make money or trying to build wealth, a nonprofit is not the way to like make money. Mm -hmm. Again, unless you got a lot of rich friends that's going to dump you a million dollars or quarter million a year. You know what I'm saying? So I hope that answers your question.
1: Yeah, for sure. I started a nonprofit in 2014, and like probably about a year ago, I realized. I should have done this the other way yeah. <laughs> um, like started the business create that cash flow and then fund the nonprofit through that. yeah um,
0: because really what you want to do is you want to get you a business and then you want to funnel your own expenses and your own revenue to your own nonprofit because the government is going to take it mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah. most people don't know that the NFL is a nonprofit organization mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah. and so Jerry Jones is running a nonprofit, mm-hmm. but he's running a nonprofit that has for profit entities attached to it. Mm-hmm. So that's why, when you, even when you're young, if you ever collected basketball cards mm-hmm. or a football card on the back, it'll say club. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it'd be mm-hmm. like club from 01 because the NFL is a nonprofit mm-hmm. and then you have these clubs club. that Only. are part of the non-profit. That's good. And then I, but so Jerry Jones makes his money from owning the stadium. That my nonprofit entity plays in, so same thing. We'll with, you understand what I'm saying? So yeah. same thing with Martha O'Brien and some of these larger entities. I own the land, I own the community center, mm-hmm. and then I'm making my money off the top of these grants and these mm-hmm. programs that's coming in. So once I really kind of saw the game, so I jumped into the game as an education consultant. Because mm-hmm. what I tell people is what I what I learned from going to these brunches and these breaks. I was watching Martha, Martha O'Brien make, man, probably. We used to do these champion breakfasts, and they would do, like, $2.5 million at a, at a breakfast. And they would have our kids, like, serving, and then make the kids sit in the back. And I remember going to them, like, man, y'all got to get a table for my kids. Mm. Because the kids are the reason that mm. these people giving the money. And so that was kind of my driving force into, like, the business. And so to go back to your other question about the families and the kids and the, and the, the educators that I worked with, Oftentimes, the people that follow my journey, they're attracted to it because it's not 100% philanthropic. Mm-hmm. And I never, I make it, I'm, I'm, I'm running a business, Yeah. and I'm trying to make a million dollars in education. That's good. You know what I'm saying? That's good. Partially because I want to run it up, mm-hmm. but partially because I want other people to know that this is possible. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can have these philanthropic aspirations. You can want to make the world a better place and
1: get and rich. not be broke. <laughs> <Yeah. poor. laughs> you don't have to be
0: broke to help people. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, so I want to unpack the way that you've been able to, like the nuts and bolts of getting that million dollars through education. For sure. Because I think right now what you're doing is become a lot. It's becoming a lot more attractive, a okay. lot more sexy to people to mm-hmm. actually get into education. And now I don't feel pigeonholed in having to be an athlete or a rapper but now I can look at the entrepreneur and say, dang, that's something I want to be, For or sure. he's coming in here with Jay's on, For I can sure. get Jay's being in sure. education. So sure. um, can we kind of walk through and pace through, where does it start? What is the, the ground one of locking in a contract, being able to get into to the school system?
0: Perfect, man. Um, so the ground, the foundation of any business is relationships. Yeah. And so I tell people, For me, the reason I went into education consulting is because I knew so many teachers, educators, nonprofit workers, just from my time in that space. Mm. And so when I decided I wanted to be a speaker, which led into the workshops, and we'll talk about that transition, because initially I just wanted to be Eric Thomas. My (laughs) vision was I'll go somewhere, I'll give a speech, the speech will be fine. Boom. But then I realized, and I went to I went to a thing with Eric Thomas, Inky Johnson, and David Shane. And I remember sitting there like, Cold. man, <laughs> right? And I remember David went first, and I was like, cool, okay. I could do that. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Anderson went next. He had the story. I'm like, okay, cool. Then Inky went.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I was like, oh, no, nah, he
1: different. He different. <laughs> he different. Yeah. And then Eric came. Mm-hmm.
0: And what I realized is that, uh, and the right, crazy thing is, prior to me seeing Inky at that, I had had a relationship with Inky. I met him, uh, talked to him. I had a mutual friend that connected us. We talked on social media, and we were actually going to link. Mm-hmm. Probably about a week after that, they did this ESPN special.
1: <laughs> He's out of here,
0: right? Mm-hmm. But I remember being like, I'm never going to have like a one arm hero story. Mm-hmm. So that can't be my, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And then David, he just had a crazy entrepreneur grind, right? Yep. Like, shirts and like, I had to be the dream shirts and the mm-hmm. merch. Um, Jeremy was a a model that I really could follow because he was just like, to me it was like a regular Joe Mm -hmm. that grinded it out, you know what I mean? And Eric was just Eric, you know what I mean? But what I realized was in any, whether it's business, IT or whatever, people become experts in an industry and then they go consult because those are the industries that they had the relationships in. Mm. And so with speaking being my first mind, and I told somebody this yesterday, It was literally calling anybody I knew that would give me 30 minutes to an hour. Mm. And at the time, I was running a a presentation called uh, Dream Desires Imagination. That was the name of the speech that I was traveling with. It was like, how do you take a dream, move it to a desire, and then use your imagination to take it as far as you can go? Mm. So I was doing that. And it was cool so to answer your question step one pragmatically is literally make a list of who will let me in it's no different than if you're selling shirts right yeah. or if you're selling cakes or if you doing construction mm. you're going to sit down somewhere and say who do i know that will that has money for this and yeah. will give it to me and so that became my first like speaking tool mm. and then i was doing that um and i was going out and people were like man where's your book and I was like, what? Why well, I need a book? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, bro, even if you come speak for free, if you got a book, people can buy something from mm-hmm. you. And I'm like, boom. Mm-hmm. And so some way we were in it and it was going and I went to a conference or something. And I don't even remember, I remember calling my business partner and saying, man, let's, oh, after I went to that contract meeting. okay. And she said, build a curriculum. Mm. And so I went back to Tennessee State University to the, cur- to the curriculum and education department. And I was like, I need a curriculum. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I showed them the presentation, dream, desires, imagination. And under that I had three points for each topic. So mm-hmm. dreams was vision, passion, strength. Desire was process, discipline, consistency. Imagination mm-hmm. was execution, environment, exposure. That's good. So when I went to the curriculum writing workshop, they told me take your key points and make a workshop out of each one. <laughs> Yeah. So when I went back, so I went and did curriculum instruction for one semester, and then I saw that curriculum instruction was going to put me right back in the school space with no real money. Mm-hmm. So I switched to a master's in public administration because people were telling me that, that was like the MBA for the public sector. Right? Yeah. <laughs> in hindsight, I would have got a real MBA. Gotcha. Because I didn't know that I was about to start a company. Mm-hmm. I'm still thinking philanthropic. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So in hindsight, and I still think about it, But I got my MBA kind of like on the go now, Mm -hmm. right? But So that was that. So having the relationships and then getting the information about how money is spent in that field. No different than if you're a plumber or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Because even if you're a plumber, there's two ways you get money, right? You go to somebody's house, you fix their toilet, they pay you. Mm -hmm. Or you go to the city, they give you a contract, and then you go fix stuff that people don't even know nothing Mm -hmm. about, and your money come up off the top, Mm -hmm. right? So we took that approach. Okay. The contract approach changed everything. But keep in mind, you cannot get these contracts unless you have an EIN number, unless you have an LLC. Mm-hmm. You understand know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that was so that was the first approach. And then once I developed the modules, so we started out with the vision, passion, strength. And I hired a teacher. To help me put it in lesson plan format because again i never had been a teacher mm. so i paid a teacher warren dean he was teaching at the time one of the guys who let me come speak in this class mm. boom and then i started practicing and so people would give me honorarium some people would have smaller hundred dollar budgets two hundred dollar budgets i was doing end of the year celebration stuff like that but the transition and the game changer for me was that i, I made a flyer mm. everywhere i went and I took a camera everywhere I went in the beginning, because I realized that I couldn't tell somebody I gave a good speech yesterday. I had to be able to show them. Mm-hmm. But it also gave me leverage when I went into school, because when I was walking into school with the J's and the suit and the camera, I got videos on YouTube while I was walking in Whites Creek, and you can see the kid. Like, mean, who is
1: that? Uh, That's like, good.
0: What do you? What? And so I had the buy-in already
1: mm-hmm.
0: when I sat down,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then I came in just straight with. The raw perspective, and I had a couple tats. So when I my thing was, I used to do the dreams and the desire speech, Mm -hmm. and I would take my jacket off right before imagination, (laughs) and you would see the whole room shift when they saw the tattoos because Mm -hmm. it was just that next level of like, wow. Because because you just I'm thinking about my own self in high school, right? And even to this day, like if this person version of myself, or take you for example, Mm -hmm. if you. Mm-hmm. Walked into your high school, mm-hmm. you would have listened to you. Yeah, just based on what you mm-hmm. look like, because yep. I've never seen you in this space. Yeah, and so that was my so that was my leverage piece. That was my leverage That's piece, good. doubling down on who I naturally was.
1: Mm. And then at what point did you like fine tune sitting across from somebody asking for your worth? Still so, doing it. Still doing yeah, it. Still, still doing, doing
0: Work it. in progress. And so that goes back to the mentor piece, right? And so. um one of my main mentors, Dr. Latham, he ran the honors program at TSU for a yeah. while. He's uh, at University of District Columbia now, and so uh, he's actually and U- UDC has been one of my main clients for a long time, especially prior to the pandemic. But every time I would reassess my company, which we do every six months to a year, um, so right now we're moving from programmatic to like working with schools to systematic to working with districts, Yeah. Um, working with from working with departments at universities to working with the entire university Mm. and so everything every time i would i would have something i would send it to him and say hey what would i need to change or fix about this for you to be able to give me fifty thousand dollars what do i need to change about this for you to be able to give me you know what i mean and so once i went from like hey i'm bringing patrick up to talk for an hour to, hey i'm bringing patrick up for two days to do three workshops Mm. and the thing i realized was that all of those ten, twenty thousand dollar one day speeches; those were going to Inky and Eric, mm-hmm. and I felt cool because I knew those guys. Mm-hmm. I was in the space. I saw Eric. I saw Inky at Tennessee State's graduation a couple years ago. I think his sister graduated or a family member. Okay. And just ironically, I'm in the hallway. You know, when people in the graduation mm-hmm. the parlor. I'm like, "Man, what's up, Inky man? We got it." He was like, "Man, I've been seeing what you're doing. Keep going." Mm-hmm. That's all I needed to <laughs> hear. That's all I needed to hear. But I realized mm-hmm. that. It's gonna be hard for somebody to give me $10,000 for a one hour speech, but people will give you $10,000 for two day workshops, Mm. two day retreats, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And once I did, but it was cool for me because I liked it because the workshop model gave me a chance to see the client and the students and the people more than once. Because my my model in the beginning was, I don't care how good the speech is, you're not changing nobody's life in 60 minutes. Mm. But if I can see you six weeks, you know what I mean? I was doing mm. a contract in New York. One of my first contracts I had, I was getting, it was a $10,000 six-week contract in New York. Mm. And I remember after the second week, the kids was like, where you from? I'm like, NASB. They're like, how you get here? I'm like, I flew. They're yeah. like, shut up, son. No. <laughs> They're uh. like, shut up, you know, New York. They're like, shut up, son. Uh-huh. On, on, on God. So you fly here every week for us i I'm like, yeah. Who paying for it? I'm like, your department mm. no because they looking mm. at the juice boxes yeah they thinking like me don't nobody have ten thousand to be giving yep. you to come here and talk to us mm. and so they like word on my mother son i'm coming back next week to see if you here yo if you here <laughs> next week son, i'm gonna come every time son <laughs> and i was like yo i'm, I'm back i'm back yeah, you know yeah. What i mean and that was when i was like yeah this is this is the way because even if i took that 10 for that one it wouldn't have gave me the impact that i needed you know what i mean mm-hmm. and from a marketing standpoint the workshops gave me opportunities to grow mm-hmm. so even with the purpose prep thing that we talked about i'll be doing their keynote but i saw those kids every tuesday and thursday for three weeks touch so, points so when i get up there and i say dreams come true they're gonna scream every day yeah because they've been working with me that's already good. you know what that's mean? good and it goes back to i told you my thing was i wanted to be memorable
1: mm-hmm.
0: i wanted to be authentic you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and so it's way easy to be memorable if you see somebody more than once.
1: I want to ask more about that authenticity. So, okay. in because I follow Shans like to the T. Yeah. Because I see more of me in him okay. than any of the others. Okay. But at times I have to check myself to make sure I'm being me yes. and I'm not becoming him or yes. whoever else. Yes. Do you feel yourself fighting against like, man, Inky Cole? And i want to pull this but making sure that you're not becoming inky johnson or whoever else
0: yeah for sure for me it was it was et and it was more it was more like trying to follow the triangle offense without having kobe and jordan you mm. just can't do it mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like the triangle offense only works if you got a kobe and a jordan in it if i mm-hmm. don't have to give one person that much attention mm-hmm. the triangle offense isn't going to work and so, when I was starting my company, I was running Eric Thomas Plays, but I'm not on YouTube every Monday.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't have a camera crew following me like that. Mm. And so, he was building his brand while I was trying to build a company. That's good. And so, it wasn't, it wasn't really working for me. So, I had to pick and choose what was what. And mm-hmm. then, because I was already... I was, I was, I've been wearing... You, you go back and look at any picture from my childhood. I've been wearing hats. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yankee hats. Yankee hats. I used to wear Philly hats because they had the P on it, you know what yep. I'm saying? And so I was already kind of like in that box with Eric mm-hmm. because he was wearing the hats and yep. things like that. And so I was like, I don't want people to think I'm doing this just just because yep. of bruh. I was already doing that, right? And so the biggest thing for me was when I switched to the workshop model, that's when it was like, this is me. Mm. And so I went and I developed. So, for example, the problem, the, the challenge was how do I sell vision to a group of young people in 60 minutes.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. so we developed um, a a, a format where we'll do four 15 minute activities. So even now when I develop workshops, I'm thinking about what is the big overarching concept and how do I make you able to feel that? How do I make vision tangible? And that was the hard part in the beginning because we were trying to sell intangible things. Mm -hmm. Like what is passion? How do you sell passion? Mm -hmm. So for example, for vision, we looked at Google and Nike, Created a, created a worksheet that had their vision statements listed out mm-hmm. and then made people create their own vision statements around three key concepts. That's good. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And so when I went in with that, it was like, oh, this is Patrick, mm-hmm. this is a spider. Mm-hmm. And even now it's like, I can give you our dream builders workbook. And you can't deliver it like Patrick Walker Reese. Yeah. I can give it to Eric Thomas mm-hmm. and he won't deliver it like Patrick Walker Reese. Yeah. And he may do it better, he may do it worse, but it but won't, he won't be like Patrick Walker, Patrick Walker- Reese. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the that's the caveat because even when we're buying Nikes, my first in the eighties and the nineties when we was buying Nikes, we was buying Michael Jordan. Yeah. So the business is still comes back to the person.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so again, even when you go buy a sleepers for sucker shirt, mm-hmm. you buy a David. Yep. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. And so that's what I had to realize is that even though people are interested in Patrick and for my team and as you're growing, and I tell people this on our consulting calls, it's easier to get people to work for a brand than for a person. So it's people so even now my team and like I work with Aspire. I work I work for Aspire mm-hmm. with Patrick. Mm-hmm. It's harder for people to grasp I work for Patrick. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Until Patrick is Puff or Jay. When mm-hmm. you get that big, like, and now...
1: They want to work. Yeah, yeah, I work for
0: Eric Thomas. Mm-hmm. No one cares.
1: Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm.
0: But when you doing the lock-ins and yep. the church back doors and all <laughs> yeah. those things, like, nobody wants to say. Mm-hmm. And so that was the thing for me. Um, but great question, man. So that authenticity piece, because there is there's very few things that's new under the sun mm-hmm. so you're always pulling inspiration from somewhere mm-hmm. but just making sure that like some of those guys like you'll never see me with my hat on backwards
1: mm.
0: ever. Yep. Uh, you could Yeah. Very, very, I think I got one picture online I was at a Pat, a Pat poem show mm-hmm. and at the end of the show I was tired and I just had threw the hat around yeah. to answer some questions <laughs> yeah. but some people wear their hat backwards mm-hmm. some, you know what I mean yep. and so that's just a small example of how you gotta stay like authentic to who you are, yep. even if you look up and you see some resemblance of yourself and
1: other people. Mm-hmm. That's good. So when talking about Aspire and building out that team, obviously you have your vision. It mm-hmm. started with who you are. Mm-hmm. At what point did you say, I need more hands on deck to really get this done? Day one. Day one. Day one. Okay. So
0: When I first had the idea, I knew I needed, because I was watching ET and them guys, I knew I needed a design team. Mm. And so I went to my line brother. Um, he was out. He was from Knoxville, but he was in New York at the time. And he uh, was creating websites and those types of things. And I just didn't have the money mm. for a website. So we, we we did like a phantom partnership. We created a partnership around something that didn't even exist yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And we used to have imaginary arguments on percent. Every time we would restructure our percentages, we would, act, he would he would ask me like, "So if we get a twenty thousand dollar contract, how much of that would you be willing to give me?" Mm-hmm. and so he was like you know what I mean So it was like 10% I'm like okay that's 2,000 so man I'm taking home 18 you take home 2 now that don't seem too fair <laughs> right. well about 30% you know what I'm saying Yeah. and then that's how we really and that's how we really worked it out but I, I appreciate it because I didn't realize I was doing high level business in the beginning mm-hmm. and it probably would have been cheaper for me on the front end to just pay mm-hmm. but I didn't I literally didn't, didn't have it, it yeah. you know what I'm saying but now as I do other business, I realize that percentages is the way business is done at the highest level because it gives people buy into your mission, into your vision. Yeah. So even now with the people that we brought on to our team, everybody is contracted in from a percentage standpoint. Mm. So when that box of books comes in, if we sell a hundred thousand books or twenty thousand books, your percentage is in that. Mm. And so people are more inclined to like, well, let me help let me you push s- this. Let me help you push this. <laughs> yeah, because. There's no ceiling on what I can make. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they just feel more entitled. And like I said, once I got into studying business, so when I started my company, I was studying Oprah, I was studying Jay, I was studying Warren Buffett, and and they all of their deals were percentage, percentage based. Yeah. Even when Jay was with the Nets, it was like 0.8 percent, but 0.8 percent of, of a billion. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I take 0.8 percent of a billion any day mm-hmm. and walk out of here happy. Yeah. Versus Point versus eight hundred thousand because you could take eight hundred thousand and it sounds mm-hmm. great. Like Jordan would have made more money getting one percent of Nike than that million something that they gave. For it, yeah. But hindsight is always twenty twenty. Yep. What? How does he know to take one percent of a failing company mm. in eighty mm-hmm. four? You know what I'm saying? Versus boom, but looking back, on now, hindsight, he like damn that one percent. I might be the greatest player. <laughs> that one percent <laughs> is sweet, right? So uh, I hope that answered the question. Yeah, for, for sure. sure.
1: So where is Live to Aspire going. What do you hope to see? Cool. So,
0: clarification Live to Aspire is specifically the merch company. Okay. So, the books, the hoodies, Live to Aspire is specifically the merch. Okay. Because we, we, we kind of took the mindset of Live, live Strong. And uh-huh. I know Lance Armstrong, a bunch of people got a bunch of opinions. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I personally don't think that steroids can help you win seven of anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not a scientist, I don't know nothing about it, but nonetheless, they made millions off of a model and a wristband. And so we wanted aspire to, so for people that don't know, the word aspire means to direct one's hope. Mm -hmm. And so I always tell people, I'm not giving nobody hope. You got hope inside you, you born with it. Every day you wake up, breathe, drink water, love somebody besides yourself, you're hoping that things go well for you. So we, we are a people of hope. You know what I'm saying? Just to be black in our country, you got hope all around you. I hope the police don't shoot the shit out of me today. I hope my grandma don't get diabetes because this stuff we've been eating for a hundred years. right? And so even when I go out, I'm trying to take what's inside of you and mix it up in a way that you feel something in this hour that's going to direct you to do something else. And the best speakers, they have their way. We've all been sitting in rooms, churches and teachers, like you talked about, that they're doing them But it's making something inside of you. I feel something. Yeah, Yeah. To the point where if they do it well enough, if we do it well enough, when we leave, you're charged to do something. You know what I mean? So that's where Live to Aspire is as a merch company. Aspire, during the pandemic, we changed ourselves to Aspire, a human development company. Okay. So if you look at any other sound on the door, Aspire is a human development company. So what we want to do um, long term, the business to have a, a building. So we're in our office now, mm-hmm. but I want to have a building that encompasses a couple of our departments. So right now we have an elementary department that we program heavily with K-4 through through our uh, PathFacts book. And we we focus on social-emotional skills. Okay. Then we have a middle school department where we do the same thing, but it's a little more in-depth because once you get to middle school, you can kind of understand those concepts. Mm -hmm. Secondary education, sports, and then mindfulness. That's good. And so in an ideal world, um, our program Dream Builders will be nationally recognized as the nation's leading ACL company because Mm. we repurpose sports and entertainment Mm. um, and create cultural relevant ways to teach people about social-emotional learning. Okay. That's what we want to be known for um, from the, the Dream Builders component. And then the Dream Builders Plus now is our professional development. So PLUS standing for professional leaders understanding self. Okay. right? And now we're looking to work with some of the larger entities. So right now we work with like Slim and Huskies. We did their management training meeting. We work with Citizens Bank. We do their quarterly um, trainings, trying to get into companies like HCA. So as a human development company, we want to deal with anybody that's dealing with humans. Good. Anybody that's moving and developing humans over a over a long period of time, mm-hmm. we want them to look at our research-based, data-driven approach to developing people.
1: And if you had a dream gig, I don't want to shut you out of any, but if it was a dream gig, everything were to go right. Um, NBA. NBA. Is it a specific team where you want everybody in it? Pack out of arena, give me all the players. Because
0: there's only like 350 people in the league. Mm. You understand know what I'm saying? Mm. But um, I tell people all the time, one of the reasons that we look to repurpose sports and entertainment, because for our culture, those people have been influencing the generation for years, whether we admit it or not. Yeah. Um, so even when I go into schools now, when I bring athletes or artists or the Starletos or the Darius Garlands or the John Jenkins or whoever it may be. Light up. Um, yeah. And not only do they light up, it's like I keep that social equity when they leave.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what
0: I'm saying? So it's no different. If, if I walk into a school with money bag, yo, they like, man, that's money bag. Mm-hmm. But how you get money yeah. bag to come here? So <laughs> yeah. even when money bag leave they like, bro, that's Mr. Reeves, bro. He yeah. got money bag in this thing. You got to listen yeah. to him. But, and some people don't look at that route because they, they their ego is involved. I don't care mm-hmm. because these people are, these kids are. Dr- NBA young boy, little baby, LeBron James, those people are driving the culture. Mm-hmm. I tell people when we were coming up, there was three times I saw the world around me change. Allen Iverson, mm-hmm. cash money, mm-hmm. and Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. When like you saw everything around when Iverson hit, everybody had braids. Yep. <laughs> everybody had the jersey. Yep. Everybody was calling, getting called for carry doing crossover. Yep. You didn't even want to play sometimes. Yep. People just
1: yep. Yep. Right
0: when cash money hit white t's headbands jabos, Reeboks. Yep. period yeah like physically people around you are changing yep. right and then rockefeller had this whole like push of like black entrepreneurialism yep. new york hats and that was the first time we like man jay got Reeboks. yeah and then in that people forget that there was a whole wave where you wasn't wearing nothing but black clothes mm-hmm. rockefeller fubu aniche we wasn't wearing no, people tell you, I ain't wearing no Tommy, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, we've switched to this kind of like, designer wave, you know what yeah. I'm saying? But that's still influenced by, them same saying, people wearing them big ass shoes, yeah. nobody's walking in the mall like, man, them shoes fly. Yeah. They're like, man, that's them shoes so-and-so had on, yeah. right? And so as an educator, even when I meet with principals, I show my principal, I tell you, you can't be a principal in today's world and not know who NBA Youngboy is. Yeah. You have to watch these videos. Yeah. And when the principals watch it, they like, wow, all of my kids look okay. like this. Yep. All of my kids behave like this. Yeah. <laughs> but what I tell them is no different than if you're at a Catholic school and those kids do what they do because the Bible told them to do it. Mm-hmm. These kids are doing what they do because the NBA told them to do it. It's NBA told them this is how you deal with authority. This is how you deal with women. This is how you, this is how you talk to that teacher if she say something you don't like. Yeah. But when you let them know that you in that world, you know that song, you know them lyrics, mm-hmm. then they more inclined to listen to you as well. Yeah. And I think as adults, we kind of forget how influenced we were at that age by those things. Yep. Like we watch these videos eight, nine times a day. Yeah, we watch Lil Bow Wow over and over. Yeah, and thinking like we all thought like, how the hell is Bow Wow just popping at eleven?
1: Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like
0: what has he been doing in his first hundred and twenty months on this earth mm-hmm. that got him up this yep. much? But those influential factors, man. And so that's what that's what we try to do and as aspire. We want to be We want to be that company that large entities look towards when they're trying to translate
1: educational deliverables to the rest of the world. That's good. That's good. So I do a thing every episode to where I blow up a balloon. Okay. And on that balloon, I ask the guest to write one word or one phrase. This should be good for you. You're a wordsmith. For sure. Um, That you feel like handcuffs people and prevents them from taking those steps of faith forward so for you it was a point to where you said this is what i want to do i want to be that educator um, in the unconventional way and i'm going to chase and pursue that for sure. but a lot of people see that but there's something that prevents them from moving forward Agreed. so i'm gonna blow this up and then i'm gonna give you the balloon to okay. write that word or phrase i always struggle with this
0: i was gonna say you're you doing a, a long a lungs <laughs> test every every episode yeah. man.
1: might get a pat fact here.
0: Nah I'm I'm just gonna put one word, man. I think it I think cause I tell people when you when you start your business or when you start anything, think about a word that you want to become synonymous with. Mm. So we used to have this argument, me and my friends we was in New York once and we had an argument about who was more influential, Michael Jordan or Michael Jackson. And so, to solve the argument, we went around New York asking people. But the, <laughs> but the challenge was all you could say was Michael Jordan or Michael Jackson. You couldn't give any other context. Mm. And what we found was every time we said, every time, most people would say Michael Jordan. But whenever somebody said Michael Jackson, they would always give the caveat Michael Jackson, but some of the other accusations that came with his name. Mm. And the last thing we did was there was an Asian lady. And she said, I don't know either. I don't know either leave me. And when she was walking away, she had some J's on. <laughs> and I told the guys I won, but what I told him is the reason why I think Michael Jordan will always go down as a more influential than Michael Jackson, because his name is synonymous with more things. Mm-hmm. If you ask 10 people, and you play the game where I'm gonna say one word, you say the next word. Mm-hmm. If you say Chicago, half of them people are gonna say Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. If you say basketball, half the them people gonna say Michael Jordan. If you say shoes, half the them people are gonna say Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. If you say bald-headed, mm-hmm. half of people are going to say Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. On the reverse, Michael Jackson doesn't have those same ownerships True. of those cat. If you say music, you're going to get a million answers. Mm-hmm. If you say dance, you're going to get the, a million answers. Yeah. If you say pop, you're going to get a million answers. If you say Gary, Indiana, you might get Michael Jackson a lot. Mm-hmm. But for me, I always tell entrepreneurs, find that thing that you want to become synonymous with. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to show you this. I'll tell you a quick story about it. But my word is... Dreams. Dream. Good. Um, I was at Pearl Cone in that same initial contract, and after my session, session went great, I did this contract with every freshman in the building. So again, I walked to lunch with them. Halfway through lunch, a fight breaks out. Me just being me, I'm in there like breaking up the fight, and I hear kids yelling, the dream man breaking up the fight, the dream <laughs> man breaking up the fight, and I was like, wow, how powerful is that? Mm-hmm. that that's how they see me. Mm-hmm. And so my thought at that moment was how? How powerful will it be if you had somebody in every educational environment that represented dreams? Mm. Like this is my math teacher, this my science teacher, and this the class I go to talk to about dreams. Mm. But when we talk about Miss Clayton, when we talk about our teachers, when you talk about them teachers that you named, mm-hmm. that's why you love them. Mm. Because outside of the scope of what they was teaching, you was able to dream in those classes. Yeah. Freestyle Friday allowed somebody a place to go escape, say mm-hmm. some things, do some things that they never did. So for me... I think this word is powerful in so many ways because everybody has dreams whether they admit it or not, Mm. but sometimes the dream is stifling. Mm. So our second book, Pat Facts, is called More Than a Dream. So my first book is from one dream into the next, Pat Facts 1 from one dream into the next because it's like, yo, from me to you, that's how I got off. Mm. The second book was like, it ain't a dream no more. Yeah, It's more than a dream. We Mm. doing it now. And so I think this is the I think this is the most powerful word in the world because everything is somebody's dream. This table, this office, that TV, these lights, that hat, this shirt. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the point where you start to put your dreams into the atmosphere and you see them become real, it's the most infectious,
1: contagious feeling that you'll ever feel. That's good. That's good. So normally what I would do is I would pop this and take the air out of it. Mm-hmm. But I think that this word needs to stay alive. That's powerful. Um i've never done that on a podcast <laughs> um, and so i want everybody that heard what he just said like whatever dreams that you have the vision that you can see it's there for a reason yeah. and so go out there and get it
0: and it's and, I, I, and i'm glad that you said that um, because i've never dreamt about being a doctor mm. or a lawyer you know what i'm saying when i was young i tell people there's only two things i wanted to ever do that i remember really i wanted to be on sports center I wanted to be stuart scott yeah and i wanted to be a teacher Mm -hmm. but i remember coming out of school and somebody telling me man it's hard to get on sports center and i took that and i was like all right okay i'll be a teacher and it was like that simple in hindsight i don't know if i would have done it differently you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying because i think that there had to be a part of me that really enjoyed education to even go that route but i'll be honest to say that there was a part of me that looked at it that was like okay this might be a little easier you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but i say that to say the things that you dream about are for you because those dreams are kind of uncontrollable. I could show you a million things and they just don't tweet. Like the movie Soul I love the movie Soul. Have you seen it? Yes I have. But I love the movie when they went around they had the little place Mm -hmm. where it was like experience a little bit of everything yeah. and, and when your thing glows up that's where that's you what start, i love yeah. right and so for me it was just like man walking into that classroom and still but the issue was that i don't know how to make money here mm. but once i started seeing them checks come and when i say checks and I, and I always tell kids numbers to put it in perspective like even some of the students one of my guys he plays football at pearl he'd be at tsu i took him with me to ut knoxville mm-hmm. i showed him the three thousand dollar check they gave me mm-hmm. and then i let them hold the money when i sold twelve hundred dollars worth of books Mm-hmm. And then I let him hold it, like, halfway to the, i to the I'm like, hey, Bino, you got that money, let me get it. <laughs> and he, he handed it to me, I peeled off a hundred, gave it back to him, because that's what the dope boy would have did for him. Yeah. That's what the streets would have did. Mm-hmm. They're gonna show you, like, this is how I make the, they're gonna pick you up, let you ride around, watch you get off, mm-hmm. show you the bankroll, yep. fold you a little, and then send you on your way. you're gonna go home, you're gonna say, I wanna do Don't that. I wanna do that again, yeah. So I'm just saying, so he like, so then when I get back to school. I get the, he like, man, y'all listen to Mr. Reese? He got racks. He just showed me a $40,000 check Oh God. <laughs> and they like, for real? Mm. And so that was the most powerful thing for me, man, was like, once I was able to see the, 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 the dream make some money. And I think that's the holdup for everybody. Everybody has the dream. And when I go places, people are like, I don't know what I want to do. I tell them, don't say that. You know what you want to do. You just don't know how to make money with it. Mm-hmm. But whatever it is i don't care it's somebody out here that's getting paid for making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches
1: yeah
0: i tell people that grilled cheese truck was driving around the city they was getting off yeah. it's somebody at home right now thinking that they With got a cold a, they got cheese. a cold grilled cheese <laughs> yeah but you're not the grilled cheesery yeah why mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and that was my thing man and so and, I, and if you want, you can still pop it because popping it represents like not stopping at the dream, like moving past the dream. That's the dream, good. The dream ain't
1: enough no more. That's good. <laughs> so we'll take the life out of that thing. <laughs> cool. Deal. Yeah. So, where can people find you? How can they be involved? Um, tell us all that good stuff.
0: Man, so anywhere. Uh, so people used to have a term called Google me, right? So yeah. I, I don't say that because it comes off a little arrogant. So I walk up to people and they be like, you got a business card? I'm like, no, do you have Safari on your phone? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just type my name in Safari. But yeah, you can type Patrick Walker Reese into any search engine. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take you there. You can follow me on Instagram at Patrick Walker Reese. Um, Twitter, um, I do Pat Facts on Twitter. I've been coming a little, getting a little more popping on Twitter. That's Pat underscore Walker Reese. Um, and then Inspire be the dream for all business. I just dropped a poetry album uh, called Pat Poems. That was a way for me to, like, just get a lot of emotions out during the pandemic. Um, we got our second book, Pat Facts, Volume 2, Pat Facts, Volume 1. And we got the merch line from, from Live to Aspire. So, okay. But if you type Patrick Walker
1: Reese in, it'll take you to all of those things. You had to a do a lot, man. Your name, your name is like a big name. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and that's powerful. I'll close on that, man. But when I was young, my name was Patrick LaRue. Mm. Um, so I was adopted when I was younger, and when I moved to Nashville, I just started writing the name of my adopted family. I wasn't like I didn't have to go to like foster homes and none of that. But my mom married a guy, they divorced, and then his family took me in after it was over because mm. um, my mom was dealing with drugs, and my my biological father was already incarcerated. Mm. Um, and so when I started living with the Larues, I, when I went to Megs and stuff, I just started writing Patrick Larue on everything. Mm. Fast forward to my senior year at Hume Fall, the guidance counselor calls me in. She like. Yo, I gotta talk to you. I'm thinking, damn, I ain't gonna graduate. Mm-hmm. She's like, Patrick LaRue, we can't find any records of this person.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm like, yo,
0: close the door. And what, well, I ended up just telling her the whole story. Wow. And she was like, well, when you, well, we gotta do something. So she gave me the information to like, look for a lawyer to see about changing it legally. It was like 600. I went home, my people was like, well, you working now. So if you wanna do it, we support you, but you gotta pay for it. And I was like, ooh, 600, that's, like, <laughs> that's like four pair of J's, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so when I ended up going back to school, I told the guidance counselor, when I walk across the stage, say Patrick LaRue, but put Patrick Walker-Reese on my diploma so I can mm. use it. And when I got to TSU, um, I just went by Patrick Walker-Reese, and then Facebook hit. Mm. And so when Facebook, you got to use your name, yeah. you know what I yeah. mean? So when it hit, all the people I had known from my life was like, bro, I seen somebody on, Instagram, on Facebook with your face, but it say Patrick Walker yeah. Reese. And so I just, you know, I used to shrug people off, but I say that to say, for me when I was 18, cause when I was young, Cincinnati, which was where a lot of my family lived, the name Reese, all of that was like, I had so much resentment towards it. Mm. And so my first like mental health moment, I didn't even know it was that, but it was me telling myself like Bro, I'm gonna own this cause this mm. is actually who I am. Mm. And it wasn't until probably about four years ago, somebody was like, man, you know your initial say power?
1: Mm, that's like, good.
0: I was like, bro, I never even looked at it that way. <laughs> yeah. But because my whole life, I was writing P.M.L. on things. Patrick mm. Montrese LaRue. Yeah. I was never writing yeah. PWR, you mm. know what I'm saying? And so now, um, it's just crazy. You know how God works. Yeah. You, you, you being, again, going back to your authentic self. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So authentically who I was, was Patrick Montrese, Walker Reese. That's and good. most people think Walker is my middle name. Mm. My last name, Walker Reese. It's like my mama was just wild like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, man. So that's where the Patrick Walker Reese came from. But I agree. Um so even we talked about my daughter, um, I'm gonna have a Patterson Walker Reese. So the PWR is gonna Dope. is gonna continue.
1: Dope. <laughs> Good for you, man. Dreams come true every day. And every day dreams come true. <laughs> Good stuff. I appreciate Thank you, that. Appreciate you for having me, yep. brother.